Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast on this 24th of February 2020. I'm your host, Joe Quinn, discussing the world of sports and pop culture. As always, we are streaming live here on my YouTube channel, Real Deal Podcast. Uh, you can check it out. This should be this podcast should be up on YouTube anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes after it's aired. It'll also, of course, be on Blog Talk Radio. Stitcher, Spotify, uh, uh, iTunes, Apple.iTunes.com, and a number of various other platforms over the course of the, on, on, throughout, the, over um, on the internet. And also, you know, with the social media, they'll put clips up on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter as well. Of course, today marked the kind of a bow on the Kobe Bryant on the uh, Kobe Bryant celebration memorial, you had that down. You had that in Staples Center uh, this afternoon. Well, depending on this morning, if you were, of course, on the West Coast, uh, ten o'clock it was ten o'clock Eastern. Excuse me, ten o'clock Pacific, one o'clock Eastern time, where the memorial started in Staples Center. It was a who's who's list of stars, ex-teammates, celebrities, entertainers, who all paid. Um, their final respects to one Kobe Bryant and Gianna Bryant, and also of course the seven other victims that tragically lost their lives on uh, January 26. And uh, it you know was everything I thought it would be. Um, uh, everybody being basically being handpicked, handpicked to speak. I actually expected more speakers, but. I mean, if you you know, if you want to go by how many people we could have that Vanessa Bryant and the family could have asked to speak, I mean, they'd have been there for you know, fifteen hours. I mean, they, I mean, I'm sure that a number of people that they number sure there was a number of people who wanted to speak who could have spoke who they could have asked along with the one along with the people that end up speaking. But um, it made perfect sense on in terms of who spoke. Um, you know, Vanessa Bryant, again, you can't just, you cannot imagine what she is going through right now. It was just a, it was just a, uh, a reminder. Um, I know she had came out with some Instagram posts and some, uh, statements over the past couple of weeks, you know, after being silent for, you know, the, I think basically the first week after it happened, understand, understandably so, but it was just a constant reminder of what, um, she's dealing with right now. In losing her uh, her husband over you know over twenty years and her daughter thirteen year old daughter, uh, I just thought she handled herself as eloquently and as just you know her strength it was just you know you can't you know that is an impossible spot to be in, no matter how much support you have around you with friends and family, because um, you know you think about it she's had they, now they've had a private ceremony on February seventh. Okay, so you know you deal with January twenty sixth. You deal with that. You you know attempt to process that. Then you go. And then you have to plan for the the private funeral. Then you have to plan for this. I'm sure she yeah, she had she had part of this. She had um you know she had her uh, her hands in this rightfully so. So that is you know to say it's a lot is is an understatement, but um. She handled herself as well as you could possibly handle, uh, you know, handle yourself in that particular spot. Um, we'll, have, we'll have some more 
news on her uh, a little bit later as well. As we, it was something that came out from a legal standpoint that I'm going to touch. I'm going to talk about um, talk about later on in the uh, in the podcast. Um, but again, it was a who's who's list of stars. Um, I thought that the young lady who plays Kyle, who plays for Oregon, Sabrina Nascu, who's a, obviously a tremendous player in her own right, all American, will be in the WNBA without question. Uh, her speech was eloquent. It was subtle. It was straight to the point. Uh, but in terms of how her relationship with Kobe Bryant, and you know, it, that I really was impressed by. Um, you know, how she handled herself up there. Uh, Michael Jordan was tremendous. I mean, Michael Jordan, you know, we talked about Michael Jordan kind of being, you know, after he retired, kind of being, you know, not known for public speaking as far as, you know, not so much being uh, showing emotion and things of that nature. I thought Jordan's speech was, uh, was heartfelt and I thought it was genuine as genuine it could be. And it was, you know, it was pure Jordan. It was pure Jordan. And you got a, you know, you kind of got a taste into the the relationship, of course, from his perspective. We always knew how close he and Kobe Bryant were. You always got, but you always got it from Kobe. More, more enlightened. Majority of the time, you would get it from Kobe's perspective in terms of how much he revered Michael Jordan. But this was, it was good to see uh, Jordan really open himself up uh, in terms of how important Kobe Bryant was to him and how important that friendship, that relationship, that friendship was. Uh, again, it was, I'm, I'm surprised that, uh, I was surprised that Magic didn't speak. I was surprised that Magic didn't speak. I was surprised that Jeannie Buss didn't speak. Those are the two, I would, I, those are two that I kind of expected to speak. I knew Jerry West was not going to speak. Jerry West was, was too close to Kobe Bryant. I didn't expect him to speak, but I was kind of surprised that Jer- that Magic or uh, Genie Bus didn't speak. But of course, Magic had the you know he did enough he did enough talking during the uh, Portland Trailblazer game where they celebrated Kobe uh, the first Laker game home game after you know after the uh, following uh, you know following following Kobe's death. So he did a lot with that. He did a lot with that, but I was surprised that Magic didn't. I, I, I was expecting Magic to get Magic or Genie Bus, but again, it was a who's who's uh, list of, of players, current ex NBA legends. I mean, everybody, anybody who was anybody was there. Um, you saw a bunch of Spurs there with their, you know, Popovich and Ginobili and Parker and Tim Duncan. Um, you know, kind of reminds you, kind of you know, brought back memories of those those great games the Spurs and Lakers used to play uh, in the uh, early two early to mid two thousands, late nineties to early you know early two thousands. You know, with Shaq, Kobe, and Tim Duncan. Um, again, saw generations. You know, with saw generations even current and future. Uh, Devin Booker was there. Uh, you saw, of course, Kyrie Irving was there. And uh, it just, you know, it was just remarkable to just, just see how many people were co- overall connected to, uh, towards, uh, connected because of Kobe Bryant and the generations and the, uh, you know, just how many people. Forget about the entertainment uh, part. I'm just talking about from a basketball standpoint, the uh, amount of generations that, that all were somehow, that he all somehow either played against 
or were just, you know, respected what he uh, contributed to the game of basketball. And now, you know, you're Vanessa Bryant, it, this, you know, this time, you know, everything is kind of, and put her family as well. Joe, uh, Joe Bryant, and his wife, and his sisters, of course. Um, this probably has to be the most difficult time now after all this has settled in. Um, in regards, once you get past this point of dealing with, you know, everyday life day in and day out uh, without Kobe Bryant and without their granddaughter, uh, granddaughter, a niece, or cousin, uh, and Gian, Gianna Bryant. Um, again, I thought they did. I thought this was well planned out. I thought it was well, you know, the performances were uh, fine with the performances, uh, Alicia Keys and Beyonce. And, uh, you know, again, I'm not the biggest Jimmy Kimmel fan. Kimmel fan. I don't watch the show, but he was asked to speak. Uh, he was, of course, he was asked to do that particular, that particular job, you know, by the family. And he did a nice job. He did, he, left it, he allowed it to breathe. He didn't try to, you know, didn't try to uh, include too much of his own, you know, uh, entertainment value or his per personality, his own persona. And he really, he really allowed. And again, he's the host of a late night talk show. Talk show he has been for the better part of well over a decade. So he knows how to. You know, this is probably probably the toughest job that he's ever had in his life in terms of hosting. But he, you know, he knows what he's doing from that standpoint. Uh, as a host, uh, from that in terms of that skill set, so I thought he was probably did a nice job. And uh, again, overall, it was a well, it was a well run and uh, fluid uh, ceremony. Um, really didn't have didn't have any parts where I thought it dragged. Where I thought where I thought it dragged along. I DVR'd it. Thought that I when I came home, I thought that was I was skipping a number of parts. I didn't skip a lot of parts. I didn't skip. I skipped the beginning. Because I DVR'd it off NBA TV, so I, you know, I didn't hear it. I, I skipped the part, beginning parts of that. But you had uh, Matt Weiner and Jimmy Jackson skipped and went directly to the ceremony. But I thought the ceremony again was well, just well put together. And you know, it's the, you know, just the the idea that he's gone, that Kobe Bryant is gone, is is something that you know, talking, seeing the, you know, 1978-2020 is still something that just does not seem real but uh yeah but you know he's gone it's, it's just you know it's one of those things that again this this was a celebrity death or a sports death that i don't think i i can't remember any celebrity or sports death that has even approached this the impact of uh the impact of this even a month later it's been a month now uh january 26th uh it was a month on sunday that he's been gone and again it's still Seems like it's fresh in everybody's uh, mind mindset, fresh in everybody in the, in the sports world and in the entertainment world as well. So um, we had that going on today, of course, um, throughout the course of the day. Uh, ceremony, the ceremony is about two and a half hours uh, with all the performances and all the speak uh, with all the speakers. So and it was you know and it made perfect sense last night. Not last night, but yesterday afternoon that you had Lakers and Celtics, in which was a classic basketball game. It was an absolute, just it was a tremendous game. It was great to watch. When the you know the NBA is much better off when the Lakers and Celtics are both good. It really is. And last night you saw, yesterday afternoon, early evening, you saw a classic game, which to me was more about. Forget about the Lakers. Lakers should have won the game. They're playing without. They're at home. They're playing 
Celtics were shorthanded, no Kemba Walker. Um, but to me, that that game was about Jason Tatum, and Jason Tatum over the last month, maybe maybe longer, has been has played has been one of the top ten players in the league. I mean, he's played on that type of level. He um, he's going from a budding star to a guy who you may be able to win a championship with as your best player. That potential does exist. I mean, at worst, he could be the second best player on the team um, that could win a championship. At worst, he may be able to even be the best player on the team. Maybe not right now, but I'm, I'm just projecting two to three years down the road. Remember, he's only 21 years old. He put on an absolute show against the Lakers. They had no answers for him whatsoever. You saw the respect that was garnered by him from LeBron James. Um, you know, he's hitting shots over everybody. He's hitting shots over Anthony Davis, whoever they put on him. They threw the kitchen sink at him. It did not matter. He, you know, put up 41 points, and he was the, he was easily, easily. And LeBron and Anthony Davis played played, played well. As a, played, Davis is great. LeBron played well, but he was easily the best player on the floor last night, yesterday, easily. And you're talking about, He's on the floor with LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Jalen Brown. He was easily the best player on the floor. There was no question about it. And if you're a Celtic fan, you have that that for the next 10 years, along with Jalen Brown. Uh, Celtics, listen, Celtics are not that far away. Again, I don't think the Celtics are a championship team this year. I don't think they can get out the East. But I would not want to see them in the playoffs. They will be a tough out in the playoffs uh, come come springtime, you know, come April, early, come late April, early May. They're going to be a tough out to deal with. Once they get Kimber Walker back healthy, Tatum can be a closer. People were concerned that Kimber Walker was too small as a point guard to be a closer in the playoffs. They have a, they have a closer. Jason Tatum can be that closer in the playoffs, in the postseason. There's no question about it. So he was tremendous. Um, we briefly on Thursday, on my Thursday th- thoughts, touched on the Kyrie Irving um, situation. Of course, he is down for the season. Um, he's going to get shoulder surgery. When I first heard the news on that, and you know, I'm projecting towards next year for the Brooklyn Nets and when Kevin Durant gets back healthy, I thought about Kevin Durant, and I thought about the fact that if you're Kevin Durant, there's no way. Now he'll he'll never come out and publicly say this, but there's no way in the world that you are not second guessing that decision. Like there's no way in the world that you, I mean, Kyrie Irving is only I he's only 27 years old. He's only 27 years old. He has been in. He is he has had a litany of injuries going back to college. You know, he played what he played 11 games at Duke. And there have been knee injuries, shoulder, um, you know, just a litany of injuries that just not on that just have you shaking your head to a point to where I don't think Kyrie Irving will ever be fully healthy. I don't think Kyrie Irving will ever play seventy games in a season. Maybe not even ever play sixty-five games in a season. And if you look at the history of the NBA, these guys, you know, when guys start off their careers getting picked up these injuries, they don't improve to multiple parts of their bodies. You know, look at 
Look at Penny Hardaway. Look at the Grand Hills of the world. Look at uh, Derrick Rose. Look at Darren Williams. Blake Griffin. Just to name a just to name a few. Um, I don't think it's gonna get any better as he gets older. Um, even you know, he is the he should be the poster child moving forward for load management. Absolutely, there's no question about it. you had they if they're not coming up with a load management plan for him right now, they're just dumb if you're the Brooklyn Nets franchise. And again, Kevin Durant, unlike Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, he doesn't have a, a two-year out. He is locked in for the next three years. He will not be a free agent until he's 35 years old. So he, he's locked in from 21, 22, 20, uh, 21 through, through 23. Um, so that, you know, that situation... I would not trust that situation moving forward. Again, everybody's talking about, you know, if they're if they're healthy. I listen, I think Kevin Durant would be fine. I don't trust Kyrie Irving. I and I'm not even talking about and I even I haven't gotten to this stuff, you know, the the locker room stuff in terms of what they how are they gonna mesh in terms of personalities and that leadership. I mean let's put that aside. I'm putting that aside for a second. I'm not even talking about that right now. I'm just talking about I'm talking about these two guys staying healthy for the next three, two to three years. Again, Kevin Durant has had a couple of injuries here and there, but for the most part, he has been durable for the most part, better part of his career. And he's never, he's, he has more mileage than Kyrie. He's been in the finals, um, been in the finals uh, four times in his career, played, you know, this would have been uh, year, what, 12, you know, year 12 for him. So he has more mileage than Kyrie, but he's still been way more durable. It's not even close. I don't trust Kyrie moving forward as far as durability. I don't see him. I I cannot trust him for you know for sixty five games and a long playoff run. I just can't. So they they have some serious issues for that franchise moving forward without question. Um, and again, they knew this when they were taking. They knew this when they were taking the chance back with our free agency. That's why, you know, this had to be a package deal with Kyrie, with him and, and Kevin Durant. This had to be part of this. Had to be, this had, you had, you couldn't just sign Kyrie. You had to sign Kevin, you had to sign Kevin Durant as well. So they, um, that, you know, that's just waiting in. If you're Kevin Durant, uh, the decision's going to look worse and worse as the years go, go along. You could have won three, four, who knows how many more championships championships with Golden State, and you would have been unclear. You would have been the best player on that team. Forget about whose city it is. Forget about the fan base loving Steph Curry. You would have been, without question, the best player on that team. On a team that could have won again, you could add Kevin Durant could add easily five or six championships. Five or six championships easily, easily. So that's that's a decision I think that is not going to age well uh, moving forward if you, if you're Kevin Durant. I don't get well. I don't get what he says. He's left. He left championships on the table. No question about it. As far as the fight went, fight uh, this weekend, um, I'm not surprised that Tyson Fury won the fight. 
Uh, I picked Fury to win the fight in a in a unanimous decision. Thought it would go to distance. I thought that there would come a time where Wilder would knock Fury down, and I thought Wilder would get up. And I wanted to see, you know, unlike the twelfth round or unlike late in the you know late in the previous fight, he knocked him down twice late in the fight, and particularly in the twelfth round. Thought he would get him early, and I thought Fury would get up, and I wanted to see how Wilder would respond to someone to him getting up and that idea of the fact that you can't knock this dude out because he's got he would have gotten up three times in the last two fights against one of your most against one of the most powerful punches in you know in, in the box well the most powerful punch that that overhand right in boxing right now one of the most powerful punches in the history of boxing but little did you little did i know <laughs> it would be wilder wilder who was on the the wrong end of a just outright just ass whooping. Um, Fury dominated this fight basically from start to finish. Give Fury a, this this fight was about Tyson Fury. Um, the adjustment that he made coming at Wilder, basically cutting his legs off, basically cutting Wild, you know, like neutralizing Wilder's right hand, neutralizing Wilder's reach, um, turning into an inside fight. He turned it into a fight. He turned it into a boxing fight. Wilder is clear. Fury is by far and away a better boxer, more skilled boxer than than Deontay Wilder is and probably will ever be. Deontay Wilder is not a spring chicken for a boxer. He's not. He's 34 years old. There are skills that he just not is not going to be able to add to the that he's not going to be able to add um, late in this stage of his career. Now. That overhand right hand has made him tens of millions of dollars. It got him multiple, it got him multiple world championships. So I can't, you can't knock that that right hand for too uh, too much. That is one of the most, the most powerful weapon in all of, in, in boxing right now. But the bottom line is he got exposed. I mean, he got exposed for for not being a skilled fighter. And when you run against a, when you run run up against somebody like a Tyson Fury who is unorthodox but is highly skilled. What happens is going to happen. Fury, I thought Fury won the first fight, to be honest with you. I thought Fury won the first fight, and I was just, I was surprised how many people were just made it out to be like a foregone conclusion that Wilder was going to knock Fury out. I said he didn't, couldn't knock him out the first time. Why is he going to knock him out this time? I mean, Fury clearly has shown that he could take Wilder's best punch. He took it, took it twice and got up both times. So, uh, you know, I I thought that people were kind of like, I don't know. I think we people wanted to elevate Wilder to this next level that he's not on. Like Wilder is not an all-time great heavyweight. Period. Fury has a chance to be. Fury is only thirty-one, um, and he has room. He can if Fury comes out, beats Anthony Joshua, and then dominates this sport for the next three or four years, he's going to go down as an all-time heavyweight champion. One of the all-time greats, clearly. And he has the skill to back it up. He can knock guys out. He can also fight fight a technical, methodical fight, take you apart from that standpoint. He can make adjustments, Can uh, is a smart fighter. Not to say Wilder is not a smart fighter, but Wilder has not added to that nuclear weapon that he has as a, as a overhand right, that overhand right. He hasn't added to that. And again, you can blame him for that. You can blame his trainers, for his people's, his people's around him for that. But again, I don't think Deontay Wilder is an all-time 
is an all-time great fighter. I just, I, and I didn't think that before this fight. And I, you know, I can understand, you know, we kind of fall in love with the allure of the knockout, similar to the home run hit, to, to a home run hitter. And what you don't look at is how many times that home run hitter strikes out. And Wilder is a feast or famine guy. Now, we hadn't seen any famine because the heavyweight division is it's okay. They're not their main guy. There there were not there weren't guys who could expose like who could expose Wilder like a Tyson Fury. There's only one Tyson Fury in the heavyweight division. All these other guys are are decent to below average fighters. Even Anthony Joshua is not that not good to me. Joshua Parker, those guys like that, Ortiz, Ruiz, these guys, eh, they're okay. They're decent. They're not great. They're not great by any stretch of the imagination. Now, the question was that now Wilder may exercise that that uh, clause that he has in his contract for the the guy who you know for the, for the loser of the fight where he uh, could you know exercise a clause in his contract that could get that can get him a rematch with Fury. If somebody actually cares about Deont Deontay Wilder, he would fight someone else or maybe a couple tuna for tuna fights before that before he fights fury fury uh tyson fury should not be deontay wilder's next fight not by a long shot so um if people if anybody around his, in his corner or his people's people's around him want him to have a, any a somewhat extended career his next fight should not be uh Tyson Fury, because to be because Tyson, you think about it, they fought twelve rounds in the first fight. They fought seven of those nineteen rounds. Fury's probably won about fourteen or fifteen of them, if not more. I mean that that was Saturday night. That and I did not expect that fight. I I, I did not expect the fight to go that way. I really didn't. I there's no way. Under any circumstances, that I thought Fury would dominate him to a point to where he would stop him, as basically with a TKO. I did not expect that. Thought he would win the fight. Thought he would methodically kind of pick him apart. Um, I think because I think Fury's a better. I just think Fury's a better boxer. And I've seen Fury take his best punch and get up. But I didn't see, I didn't, that was just, he totally just outclassed him. He totally just, forget about outboxing, we know that, but it was just, you know, he looked like, Wilder looked like he didn't belong in the same ring as, as uh, Tyson Fury. Now, be interesting to see um, Fury from this point on. Um, I think that the sport of boxing rather had would have, would have rather had Wilder win because he's American, and maybe he's mark you know it's more marketable from that standpoint. But I, I think Fury, Fury with his personality, you know he has a you know everybody likes a comeback story. We know we know he dealt with the mental health problems in the past. Uh, was almost out of the sport. Um, you know, it's, it's a great comeback story. Great story. Um, he has a lot of personality. As we all know, so uh, you know somebody that could be marketed. Listen, they, you know, if you're boxing, you're looking for that next. You no, know, I don't know what Floyd Mayweather is going to do. Um, who knows uh, if he's going to fight again? I think he probably will. But if you are 
you know, if you are in boxing, um, you can manage, you can make, you can uh, turn Fury. Fury can be a superstar with his personality. He can be a superstar. And, and you know, his style is not like, he's not like a defensive whiz like uh, Mayweather or like Bernard Hawkins. So his fights are not boring or even to, to a lesser extent like an Andre Ward. So you can, you know, he, you know, he does have, there's excitement to his, his style of fight, his style of fighting. Uh, so, again, I was a uh, little bit, I was shocked to see how that fight went, uh, even though I thought Fury would, um, Fury would win the fight. That's going to wrap it up for this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. As always, you can find this podcast on my YouTube channel. Uh, twenty about twenty minutes after this after it's aired, I will see you, or you'll hear from me later in the week. I'm out.